What a good Saturday morning to you and yours. Dave Rothenberg with you here. It is the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. We have a, I mean, a jam-packed show. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.com will join us a little bit later. Henrik Lundqvist, um, I don't think he's spoken since having the big surgery, uh, obviously open-heart surgery, and it's been a big deal, not able to play at all this year. We'll hear from that interview he did with Kevin Weeks in a little bit. Uh, look ahead to what we have coming up this week, and of course, this past week, huge trade um, between actually two of our three local teams, so we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we even roll, Saturday morning, bright and early, let's, let's start it out. We have not one, but two autographed New York Rangers pucks to give away. Uh, Very easy to enter. Just text GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. Again, that's GOAL to 44202. We'll select two winners at random and send them the signed pucks, all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So, big trade. Islanders, and you had a feeling that Lamarillo was going to do something when Anders Lee went down for the season. You thought to yourself, they've got to add some scoring, and they did in not one but two different guys. And they did it with a local flavor. They had Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils. Now, in return, uh, the Islanders give up whatever their first-round pick is going to be. We don't know what it's going to be right now. In fact, it was a, a strange take of what Tom Fitzgerald, the GM of the, uh, of the Devils, said. He said he hopes it's the 32nd pick in return because he hopes those guys win the Stanley Cup with the Islanders. Um, if I'm a Devils fan, I don't love my GM saying that. I hope it's the, the worst possible um, situation for the Islanders, to be honest. Why? Because you want to get the best pick. But that's regardless. We'll hear from all the particulars. We'll hear from Travis Zajac. We'll hear from Kyle Palmieri. We'll hear from Lou Lamarillo. And we'll hear from the aforementioned Tom Fitzgerald again. So a little bit of the particulars in the trade. Uh, Palmieri, 30 years of age, uh, 17 points so far on the season, eight goals and nine assists. He's actually a Long Island native, born in Smithtown and raised in Montvale, New Jersey. So he goes from Jersey to Long Island. I'm sure very familiar territory for Palmieri. Uh, Five years in Anaheim, traded to the Devils in 2015, had a career high 30 goals in 2015. So that's Palmieri with the Islanders from the Devils. Zajac, uh, 35 years old, has spent his entire tenure with the devil still productive though seven goals 11 assists so far uh this season had 67 points in 2009 2010 he's 35 and listen is there a chance that either of these or both these guys wind up on the uh devils again at the end of the season Uh, i think that's fair to say it probably is so let's take a listen here's lou lamarillo on the acquisition of both zajac and palmary for the islanders what they bring to our team is obvious with the roles that they'll play. Uh, we'll leave that up to Barry and his coaching staff, but I'm excited to have them a part of our organization right now. I know what they bring on the ice. I also know who they are as people and how well they'll fit in the locker room here, and chemistry is extremely important to me. Uh, but their experience, their talent, their competitiveness, especially in this division, uh, knowing what they have to go through to me is an excitement from our end of it in management, coaching, uh, and so forth. I don't know how you could be a fan of the New York Islanders and not not love this trade. I mean, the, the unknown with this draft anyway this year is completely relevant. And then you look at the fact you've added two guys that can be key contributors and you needed someone to replace Anders Lee. I mean, all signs point to this was a, a really important and necessary move for Lamarillo and the Islanders. So he was asked the question, why make this move? 
like everyone, when we lost on this, uh, you know, we didn't know what to expect because of what he brings both on and off the ice. And uh, he's still a part of this group. He's here every day and he's still our captain and he's still our leader. And the way the team responded to that and the way they came together, uh, not that they haven't been together, you know, certainly played a role in whatever I could do to get them some support and them some help with reference in different different areas of our team and how we can be flexible with our lineup. Uh, I felt it was the right thing to do. Certainly a, a first round pick is what it is. I'm extremely excited about the young players that we have and the way they've come along and how they're going to gain experience through this whole process. I didn't feel uncomfortable at all making the decision, especially when you're able to acquire the two players that we did in, uh, in Kyle and Travis. Uh, both guys in their 30s and both guys still very productive uh, at this stage of their career and, you know, probably desperate, right? Probably get reinvigorated by a chance to go on a major run this postseason. All right. Lifelong devil um, has been with the team for a decade plus. That's Travis Zajac, 35 years old. Here he is on joining the New York Islanders. I'm extremely excited for this opportunity. I think at the point of my career and where I'm at, I won a chance to win. And I just believe this is a team that has all the aspects of, of a winning hockey team. And to be able to try and be a part of that, I think it was just for me, it was the right time. I was fortunate enough to have a great career in, in, in New Jersey and a lot of great memories, a lot of great people along the way, players, coaches, staff. But I think just it just came down to at, at this point, I won a chance to try and reach that ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal, of course, is the the Stanley Cup. And the Islanders were not all that far away last year from hoisting uh, the Stanley Cup. So Travis Zajac to the Islanders. And again, it's not a huge transition. I mean, he played his entire career with the Devils. But think about this. So you're in New Jersey. Now you just go out to Long Island. It's the same teams you've been playing all season long anyhow. So this is probably as seamless a transition as humanly possible for these two guys um, joining the Islanders. Kyle Palmieri, well, here he is on his new team. I think it's been a bit of a crazy week, obviously, starting Sunday with, with not being in the lineup. And when I kind of heard that the Islanders could be an option, I couldn't have been more excited. And obviously, as the days kind of wore on here, there was a little bit of, of anxiety as, as far as uh, waiting for that call. But when I got got that call tonight, it was really, really difficult to contain the excitement to join this team and, and this organization. And to reiterate what Trav said, I think the, the opportunity to go and, and be a part of a team that has a chance chance to do something special is something every player wants and that's all you could ask for and uh, I'm really really looking forward to this opportunity. Well you can tell both guys really excited about the the addition and and going to the Islanders and what that means and what that means for this season for them and, and how it changes the entire complexion of their season. I mean let's be fair the Devils are building for the future and playing out the string and the Islanders are in it to win it this season. And again, Palmieri goes back to, to where he's born, right? I mean, he's a Long Island kid, grew up in Jersey, so this entire area, very familiar to him. Now, from the Devils' standpoint, their GM Tom Fitzgerald spoke a- about the trade and he was asked, I think it's a fair question, why did you make this trade with the Isles? Sets us up really well for the future. We drafted three really good prospects that can come in and develop under our development program and grow these players to be players we project them to be. This year, right, right today, as of today, we have two. Um, you know, where the Islanders finish, I, listen, I, hope, I hope it's the 32nd pick. I really do. I hope, hope these two gentlemen can win a cup and we get the 32nd pick. 
So would you look nothing more than that? And then and with that pick, it gives us flexibility. You know, whether you can move back, use it. I said it last year with, with the three picks. It just gives you flexibility to potentially add add to a position of, of need or player um, that comes across the board. Um, maybe it helps us with uh, teams with expansion issues. Um, so uh, it gives us flexibility. And, and but the most important thing is, like I said, I you know I, I for these two gentlemen, I, I just really, really hope for nothing but success for, for both of them. Well, a couple of things on that. First, you, you can hear just the, the the ultimate respect that the GM has for these two guys. And and I think that he did them a salad. I think he wanted them to go to a place that um, had a real chance to win, that they were comfortable with. I mean, they've been devils for a very long time. Zajac, his entire career in Palmieri for, for years and years at this point. So I think he did them a solid. And again, I hear the soundbite and I get it. I'm kind of torn. And we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski about this. A little bit later during the course of the show, I'm kind of torn because the human being in you says, yeah, you know what? It's great. It, it's really it, it's nice that the GM wants these guys to succeed and, and wants the utmost for guys that he has the utmost of respect for. And then the flip side is, wait a minute. Why would you want? Wouldn't you rather have? I mean, you tell me you're listening out there. Would you rather have the 20th pick or would you rather have the 32nd pick? Would you, would you rather pick 23 or 32? And for him to say, I'd rather pick 32, I don't know, just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Maybe it's not that big a deal, just kind of my opinion, right? I mean, think about it with, with, with another sport. Would you, If you're a Jets fan, would you say, boy, I hope Seattle has great success because I want to see Jamal Adams win? No, not at all. You want to see Jamal Adams lose as much as possible and the Jets get the best pick. Well, it's the same kind of situation here. I understand those guys left under different circumstances, but still, the end result is the same. All right, more from Tom Fitzgerald. Will you use this cap space now moving forward to your advantage? Oh, for sure, if it makes sense. You know, we also, you know, part of the, the strategy is to give kids an opportunity to play and see what we have. We've got a couple of kids, a few kids down in the American League that deserve to showcase what they've done so far. So we want to stay flexible roster-wise. I will be able to, to, to do that with those kids, give them a, a sniff of the NHL, you know, so they know exactly what to expect when they come back for, I don't want to call it their first real year, you know, but a, a, a full uh, professional year. And you know, we always keep that in mind. But yeah, for sure, we, we know that our cap space is a weapon if we can use it the right way. I mean, if things make sense, just again, it's the communication I, I have with, you know, all, all 31, 30 managers um, around the league and see what they want to do and also keeping an eye on and, and strategizing on the expansion draft and, you know, who, who may need to move players and um, where can we kind of use our cap space to better ourselves. Well, to be a young team and to have flexibility and to know that you're going to have multiple picks in the first round and to think of, of what the future, and you have good young players anyhow, uh, the future does seem pretty bright for the New Jersey Devils. All right, so we haven't talked about the Rangers at all. We'll spend a moment on the Rangers and then break and come back, and Greg Wyshynski is going to join us from ESPN.com. We'll go around with these locals and, and get his grade on the, the big trade and all that kind of good stuff. So Jacob Truba, now this is kind of a different soundbite that we're going to hear. It's not about on the ice. It's not about wins. It's not about losses. It's not about Shesterk, and It's not about any of those things. It's about the team getting vaccinated. And they did that the other day after, I think it was on Tuesday night, after they uh, got by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And here is defenseman Jacob Truba talking about the team uh, all getting vaccinated. From my standpoint, I think we're very fortunate to be able to, to get that vaccine. Um, I mean, it's obviously been a, a crazy time, and it's uh, we're fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to, to be able to, to get that, and hopefully we can, uh, in the near future, move on to a little bit more of a normal life. 
Well, it feels like we are around uh, around third and heading for home as far as um, as this uh, just insidious uh, COVID disease is concerned. So the Rangers are fully vaccinated, and I'm sure that a lot of the NHL teams will follow suit very, very soon. So, so there you have it. Big trade, little Rangers conversation, a lot of Islanders, a lot of Devils. Uh, busy, busy show. Greg Wyshynski coming up next. We'll hear from uh, Henrik Lundqvist a little bit later on as well. Hear from David Quinn, who was on DCR uh, earlier this week. And, of course, we'll look ahead uh, to the next week around the locals. So a lot to do. It's the Hockey Show. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.com is next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Hockey Show. It is Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. Let's bring him in. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, you know of Greg Wyshynski. He, he was uh, with Yahoo for a long time, now senior NHL writer at ESPN, um, co-host of Puck Soup Podcast. So you are one of the hockey guys. And I guess congratulations to you now that ESPN is back big time in the hockey business. Oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that uh, you know I've been I've been talking to some people internally and the, the plans that we have for you know what's coming up with with getting these rights back next season and having them for the next seven years is uh, is really encouraging, really awesome. And and for me, like I don't think it's any secret that uh, there are certain things you want to do when you're a hockey writer and you're not with a rights holder that all of a sudden you might be able to do now that you're a hockey writer with a rights holder. So it's been, it's been real cool for, for me to see how the world's changed a little bit. And uh, I know we're going to kill it. I, I, but, but like I've been saying to people, you know, I'm really happy for the folks that have been with us for years, Linda Cohen, John Bucigras, Barry Melrose, Steve Levy and others who've really kind of kept the flame of the sport lit at ESPN for as long as they have. And we didn't have the rights. And I'm also really happy that, even though it hasn't really been announced yet, that it's not just going to be a one-network uh, proposition, that there is going to be another rights holder in the U.S. I think I speak for a lot of hockey fans that we were very frustrated for the last 15 or 16 years that you know it's only been one network property with hockey. When you look at baseball and basketball and football, they're on multiple networks. So um, I'm happy with the primary rights holder. I'm, I'm almost as happy that there's going to be somebody else out there with a chunk of the games, too. It, it's great. We're all thrilled about ESPN getting uh, hockey and, and for a long time and the amount of uh, coverage that's going to uh, really just be on ESPN and ESPN.com and ESPN Plus and, and the network and everything. So um, let, let's get into where we are with the trade. The Islanders, I mean, everyone seems to love this trade for the Islanders perspective. They get Palmieri, they get Zajac, they trade away a first round pick, which won't be a great pick and a couple of minor league forwards. Uh, tell us, I mean, is this a, a big win for the Islanders and Lamarillo here? It really is. I mean, you know, Kyle Palmieri, you could make the argument, depending on how one feels about Taylor Hall's season and, and you know, where, where he is in the world these days, that Palmieri was the most desirable forward with an expiring contract available at this trade deadline. I mean, there was a market for him that included the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the Colorado Avalanche kicked the tires on him, too. Um, he, he can be very good. And, and he's one of those guys that has such a strong track record that you're willing to overlook the fact that he doesn't have the same offensive output this season, maybe a little bit snake bit with the shooting percentage. But like you said, to get him uh, at 50% of his cap, to get Travis Zajac, a, a you know, long, long-time veteran center that could uh, give you an, another body uh, in what's already a pretty deep position for the Islanders, but also a good locker room guy, a good veteran guy, get him at 50% of his cap hit on an expiring contract. And then all you basically give up, like you said, are two marginal uh, uh, players that may or may not you know, see time in the NHL 
you give up a conditional fourth round pick that only becomes a third if you make the Stanley Cup final. If you make the Stanley Cup final, you gladly you gladly pay that price. And the first round pick is not only going to be uh, pretty low uh, based on how good the Islanders did in the regular season and how far they could advance in the playoffs, but also is in a draft where nobody wants a first round pick. I mean, it, the scouting of these prospects this season due to COVID and leagues shutting down and scouts not being able to be uh, in person at games, international tournaments not happening. It's, a comp- it's already a crapshoot, the NHL draft. Now it's even more of one because of all this other stuff that's going on. So the value of that first-round pick is even lower than it normally would be. So it's a, it's a very good trade for the Islanders. So let me ask you this. From the Devils' perspective, why is Fitzgerald making this deal? He couldn't have, have shopped around and gotten more for, for these guys individually or, or even as a package deal? Like, like, like When you look at it from the Devils' perspective, do you, do you scratch your head with this one? Um, you know, there's two, there's two ways to look at that. The first is that, yeah, there, there should be some disappointment that it's a pick and not a prospect coming back. I think with, with the draft being as it is this year, uh, you, you'd like to get some sort of known commodity versus trying to find somebody in the draft um, like the Devils will now have to do, assuming they hold on to that pick. So from that aspect, it's a little bit frustrating, but... I think the other aspect of this trade, just listening to, to Fitzgerald talk the night that the, the trade was made, um, I think he wanted to do these guys a solid. I mean, Kyle Palmieri has been a devil for a few years now. Um, he's got some roots in New Jersey. Uh, undoubtedly, he doesn't want to have to pick up and leave and go you know, live in Denver or, or live in Toronto, right? Uh, Travis Zajac has a no-trade clause. He's obviously not going to waive it unless it's a situation where he can either stay locally or maybe go back and play in his home. Home, uh, hometown in Winnipeg. So I think there is a human aspect of this, and I, I hate <laughs> bringing that up because we like to view these guys as names on a roster or, or you know pieces on a chessboard sometimes. But I think he also kind of just wanted to put these guys in a good situation. He's got a, uh, Fitzgerald has a, a relationship with Lou Lamarillo. He knows he'll take care of him, uh, put them in a good uh, a good spot, and uh, there was a certain comfort I think in making this trade and, and getting the return that he got. You know, it's funny you say that, and I'm torn when you give us that analysis. The, the, the human being in me is like, you know what? It's great. These guys are going to be happy where they're going to wind up, and uh, it's a comfortable situation, and it's not too far from where they've been playing, and it's a team that has a real chance to win the Cup, and that, that's the, the, like the human side of me. And the rabid sports fan of me is like, I don't care. I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't need them to be happy. I want to get as much as humanly possible from, from the opposition. So, yeah, I get it. I, it's kind of a catch-22 here if you're, if you're the Devils. It very much is, and, and I think the other mystery is exactly what the market was for a guy like Palmieri. Um, I think we'll probably figure that out by Tuesday morning when we see the dust settle on the trade deadline and, and understand better what the marketplace looked like. Um, so I think there's an aspect of mystery to that uh, because I wrote about this on ESPN.com a couple weeks ago. This is, this is a deadline like no other. There are so many different forces that are affecting the marketplace for this deadline in particular. You have the flat salary cap this season and in subsequent seasons. You have the COVID situation where, you know, it, it may limit the appeal of, of players, say, waiving their no-trade clause to go across the Canadian border and play for the Canadian team because they have to... I mean, if Travis Zajac wanted to go play in Winnipeg, he's going to go sit in a hotel room in Winnipeg for a week, you know, to, to do it. Uh, and that's not necessarily appealing. Um, and then you have a couple of other X factors, the first round draft thing, the pick thing, like I mentioned, the Seattle Kraken aspect of it, where if you trade for a player with term, uh, you have to start figuring out what your configuration is going to be for the expansion draft. And then the other one that I don't think has gotten enough attention is 
these teams have lost a ton of money this year. Like, a ton of money. Like, Batman mentioned it's going to be in the billions, the total losses for the NHL. And um, it's not really getting any better for a lot of these teams as far as getting capacity back in their buildings. And I had one general manager tell me recently, look, we all want to win. We all want to succeed. Somebody at the end of this season is going to hoist a Stanley Cup. But let it be known that the further you go in the playoffs, the more money your team's going to lose. So that's a a part of this equation, too. It's amazing to think that the better you do, the worse you do in some way. Senior NHL writer Greg Wachinski joining us here on the Hockey Show 98.7 ESPN. So when you look at the Islanders this year, I know they were, you know, in the conference finals last year and they were terrific and they they really pushed Tampa. Would you be surprised at all? Maybe this is a dumb question, but would you be surprised at all if they if they win the whole thing? Well, I would be surprised. I think there there are some better teams than the Islanders out there. And I, and I do think at the end of the day, the style with which the Islanders play can only get you so far when you have teams that are able to break through offensively against that defensive front that Barry Trotz has the Islanders put on in the, in the playoffs in particular. Um, but, I mean, I think they've certainly improved a lot with this trade. Uh, Anders Lee being injured now for the season was a hugely impactful thing to the Islanders' veteran goal scoring or they had to replace them. Paul Mary, I think, could be that replacement. It's a very solid team. Matt Barzell's a dynamic player. Um, you know, I think they get good play out of their blue line as well, and they've gotten great goaltending for Barlamoff this season. But, I mean, you look over at the Central Division uh, and a, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that's going to get Nikita Kucherov back to the playoffs. You look over at the Kong versus Godzilla matchup in the uh, West Division with Colorado and Vegas seemingly on a collision course to play each other at some point in the playoffs. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, you know, are, are kind of in all-in mode and, and getting great goaltending from Jack Campbell and, and are just a very deep and formidable team. Um, it's not to say the Islanders couldn't beat the Leafs, not to say the Islanders couldn't beat one of those West or one of those teams in the West, uh, but when it comes to a team like Tampa, it does give you a little bit of pause as far as uh, envisioning the Islanders being able to get through and break through and win the Cup. All right, so, so let's move on to the Devils. Um, obviously, they, they get... The, the pick, they move on from two of their, their probably better players at this point, a um, couple of minor leaguers as well. How far away are we from the Devils, in your mind, being a, a playoff team now? It's a good question. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I don't want to discount the idea that Kyle Palmieri ends up back in New Jersey, by the way. And this could easily be one of those boomerang deals where uh, Fitzgerald feels like he needs to get something for Palmieri because the opportunity presents itself, and then Palmieri ends up resigning with the Devils. I asked Fitzgerald that this week, and he was, uh, well, well, he said he couldn't really talk about a player on, on, a, on a, another team, which was a, which was not a no. <laughs> so we'll mm-hmm. see where that goes. Uh, but the Devils, as far as being a contender, I mean, I, I, it's tough. I mean, it's you don't want to read too much good or bad into what is essentially an anomalous season. 56 games, only playing within your division, all the COVID protocols, all the stress and strain on, on especially younger players during uh, during this year. I think Jack Hughes showed a step forward this season that was encouraging. I think they would really like to get Nico Heischer healthy and and uh, and you know give him a bit more time. And you know they've got some pieces around the lineup that you like and some some even younger pieces that aren't there quite yet. But I mean, I think any realistic read of the devil situation tells you that it may be another year of build. And then maybe you start to ratchet up again and, and use that cap space and utilize it to bring in some, um, some NHL established talent around the young courts they have there, but there's a lot to like. I mean, I think a lot of teams would be envious uh, to have Jack Hughes, Nico, Heischer at your top two centers, Ty Smith having emerged as a, as a great young defenseman and Mackenzie Blackwood looking like he could be, 
uh, a solution and goal. I mean, that's that's the DNA of a championship team. Two good centers, a, a top-level defenseman, and a competent goaltender. Um, and the Devils nascently have it right now. So let's look at the other team here we haven't discussed yet, and that, of, of course, is the New York Rangers. Um, it feels like they're, they're close, but maybe not going to get over the hump this year. But um, deadline just a couple days away. So are the Rangers sellers? Or are they buyers? Do they just stand pat and, and continue along and, and do what they're doing? What do you think uh, they do at the deadline? I think it's going to be a lot of stand pat and then, and then maybe just reassess uh, in the off season and see what parts of the team that they could upgrade. Um, you know, obviously I think the center position is one to watch when we get to the off season with all due respect to Ryan, to Ryan Strom, um, you know, to advantage is great. I think they feel like there can be an upgrade uh, at center. Um, whether, whether or not that manifests in a trade for Jack Eichel, which has been mentioned a few times because of uh, his probably desire to play for the Rangers and the Rangers deep uh, collection of picks and prospects they could send to Buffalo remains to be seen. Um, but if you're the Rangers, I think you feel pretty good about this season. You definitely have some assets that could move at the deadline. If anybody wants a slightly used Tony D'Angelo, well, come knocking because the Rangers would love to give you one. <laughs> but I don't. I think he brings a little bit of baggage with him. Um, and they have more a than a little. Other, uh, he he, he, he packs like uh, like Lovey Howell if you, if you acquire uh, Tony <laughs> D'Angelo. But yeah, he's he's. He is definitely paying the extra money at the counter to get his bags on that point, let me tell you. But, uh, um, no, it, it, I think the Rangers have to be pretty happy with the, the progress of this team. I mean, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people around the league about the Rangers and, and just how incredible it is that they declared publicly that there was going to be a painful rebuild and then a scant couple of years later, you know, it's, it's Panarin and a bunch of great young players and a team that looks like it's, it's being built to – be a, a a championship contender in the long term. It's it's really impressive what Jeff Gordon and Chris Ruri have done there, and uh, especially you know we did a thing on on ESPN.com um, in my column this week on Thursday uh, where I went back and regraded some trades that had happened in the last five years. I mean, you look back at some of the deals the Rangers pulled off, like that Rick Nash deal, for example, with the Boston Bruins. Uh, that, that netted them uh, both. Um, Ryan Lindgren and uh, through the draft, Keandre Miller. I mean, it is incredible some of the fleecing the Rangers have done in the trades they have made uh, through the last couple of years to hasten this uh, rebuild. Well, how about the Adam Fox trade? I mean, just uh, stole him from Carolina. Yeah, well, they, and that one, you see, and that one, and, and also the, the the Jacob Truba trade, which you know you can feel how you feel about Truba, it was still I think a pretty good addition. They lucked out because they had people that simply wanted to be Rangers. I mean, Adam right. Fox grew up a Rangers fan and. You know, I talked to him for a Q&A that, that ran on Friday, and you know, he spoke about the fact that the Rangers are the team he wanted to play for, and he worked the system to get there. Uh, and then in Truba's case, you know, he had family reasons to want to be in the New York area, and obviously the Rangers had the, the ways and means to acquire him. And um, it's, a, it's a nice thing to have. I mean, it's the same thing as Panarin in some ways, where I mean, who wouldn't want Artemi Panarin on their team? Well, Artemi Panarin only wanted to play in a couple places, and one of them was on Broadway. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a certain tactical advantage that the Rangers have, too, in this, in this situation. Well, the future of hockey for the uh, Blue Shirts is, is very, very bright. The future of hockey for the NHL with ESPN, very, very bright. And I think it's going to work out pretty well for you as well, Greg. So thanks for a couple minutes, and let's do this again at some point. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Terrific job by Greg Wyshynski. Quick break. We'll come back, and a Rangers legend gives us an update on how he is and what, in fact, his future might hold. That's next. It's the Hockey Show. It's Dave Rothenberg with you on Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, 
It is the Hockey Show. I am Dave Rothenberg, and this is... Well, where else would you be? But 98.7 ESPN. Big thanks to Greg Wyshynski. does a great job, and we are so excited to have the NHL back, and it's going to be in full force um, come the fall of 2021. Later this year, guys, full force NHL on ESPN and ESPN Plus and ESPN.com and really all over the place. So when you think about the best of the best, when you think about the greatest players in the history of the local organizations, and you think about the Rangers in a long storied history, you could, I don't know if you're going to start there, but before you get too far down the list, you're going to get to Henrik Lundqvist. And he was with the Rangers forever. And I think it's fair to say that if the, the teams were a little bit better around him, that he would have been a, a Stanley Cup champion. And that never happened. And that is certainly frustrating from the standpoint of the Rangers fan. Uh, and then last year happened and you could see that, I mean, let's be fair, that his skills were starting to diminish a little bit. Uh, and the Rangers decided to move in a different direction. They have the young goalies. They have, um, you know, Shesterkin, probably going to be the future netminder for this team. And the, the Rangers moved on from Henrik Lundqvist. And all of a sudden you find out that he winds up with the Washington Capitals. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, I really wanted to root for Hank. And now... I just I can't ultimately root for him to win the Stanley Cup because I don't want the Capitals to win the Cup. And all these I guess the point is all these sports thoughts immediately run through your head and then real life occasionally. And certainly like we've seen in the last year plus, they jump out and they smack you right in the face. And that's what happened with Henrik Lundqvist, because we found out, I don't know, months ago now at this point that Henrik Lundqvist had a, a heart ailment. Um, and needed open-heart surgery. And everyone was just, whether you root for the Capitals or the Rangers or whoever, everyone likes Henrik Lundqvist. And Rangers fans felt particularly just a, a real way about this. So he sat down with Kevin Weeks of the NHL Network, and they they spoke. And little snippets have been on it all week from the NHL Network. And we grabbed a, a good chunk, and we're going to play it um, kind of cuts, and then we'll react to it, and we'll do that for a couple minutes here. So let's do that. So here's Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, this is with Kevin Weeks, NHL Network. What has the last year been like for you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's definitely been a roller coaster. I think for all of us, if you go back 12, 13, 14 months, I mean, the things we've been dealing with, uh, you realize uh, life can throw you a curveball here and there. And, and personally also, the last few months have been um, different. Yeah. Uh, it's been a, an experience for me. But for me, I mean, going back 12 months, really, 15 years in New York and team has changed a lot and, and my role changed a lot over a couple months and it was definitely a, a time there where uh, it was hard it was hard to know what to think what to feel you know I, I kind of saw what was coming mm-hmm. what was happening and, and we all have or at least for me I had my vision my goal my dream how things would maybe end in New York sure and then you see changes are coming and, and the big thing for me was just to to find the place of, of, of gratitude towards all the years in New York mm-hmm. and when I found that I, I was you know I was in peace and I was ready for for the change you know the amazing thing is New York is not for everyone, and we've seen it a million times. We've seen it with the Sunny Grays of the world. Um, you know, you, you can you, you you can come up with the Ed Whitsons of the world. I mean, New York is not for everybody, and there are certain guys that it will chew up and spit out. And Henrik Lundqvist was the opposite. There are certain guys that just they thrive in New York, and Mark Messier comes to mind, and some of those guys on those Islanders teams in the early '80s, and Pat Lafontaine, and I mean, you eat Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims and. Uh, there are guys that you think of and say to yourself, Patrick Ewing, that just they, they are built for the magnitude. They are built for the moment. And Henrik Lundqvist, really, when you think about forget about hockey. 
When you think about the best of the best that we've seen that New York sports has to offer, Henrik Lundqvist is is right there. If not on that Mount Rushmore, right on the second Mount Rushmore, and maybe maybe even the first. So uh, it's been a weird year for him. It's been a weird year for all of us. But then things took a really terrible turn for Hank, and here he is discussing when he found out about the surgery. I brought my bags down, and I was about to pack, go to Washington that week. Mm. And for a few weeks or months, actually, we've been doing some testing mm-hmm. for my heart. And I've been aware of a heart condition for, for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I had a leaky valve. And at some point, it need to be fixed. But sure. over the course of a few months, things changed and, and the leak got worse. And my aorta started to get too big and mm-hmm. the pressure in the heart was too high. And, but all along, I was like, this is going to work. We're going to make it work. And, and when I get the call from one of the specialists that was part of the process, and it's like, I'm sorry, but your test came back worse than we thought. And mm-hmm. in that moment, I knew there was no talking, like, should I, should sure. I not? So, I mean, the next step there is just to get on the phone with the surgeon. Okay, what's what's the next step here? What are we doing? And and. Two weeks later, I'm on a bed in Cleveland and I'm going in for open heart surgery and everything happened so fast. I, hadn't, oh. I didn't have much time to think about it, but sure. I was very calm. And I think um, being an athlete and, and, and being used to like focus on things, mm-hmm. I think that really helped me. So that, that is Hank and, and just terrifying to find out that he needed the open heart surgery. But we did learn, and I didn't know this to be truthful with you, um, that this was something that was kind of brewing for 15 years. And, and the thought process was that at some point he was going to need the surgery. So I, I guess the good news is it's not like it, it jumped out of nowhere. But still, to find out that you need open heart surgery, is that's a, a, a pretty big uh, pretty big moment in your life. So he has the surgery. And then the next question that has to be asked is, what was recovery like from open heart surgery? The first, uh, I think, first week, it was a battle, a couple setbacks, but then then things started to, to improve a lot. I think the key was mostly to stay in the moment, kind of like when you play the game. Sure. Don't don't look too far. Right. Okay, this is what we need to do now. Stay in that. And you just took it step by step. Every day was like a new mm. period. Right. You don't look too far. Right. And, and before you know it, it's been 10 days. Mm. And you look back at all the things you had to go through. And it's like, okay, if, if, I, if they told me all the things I had to go through during those 10 days, it's like, that's a lot. But just right. step by step and staying in, in that moment, it, it made me um, more relaxed. Mm. Uh, but being there and, and part of, you know, because of COVID and everything, my kids could not come and visit. So th- there was one time that was extremely emotional when, when my wife, so they all stayed in, in Cleveland at okay. my agent's house. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife took my kids to the parking lot so I could see them. There was one day and we waved and FaceTime. That, uh, that hit you. Th- that hit me it's so hard. Of course. Uh, but other than that, it was almost like, okay, get through this. Get through the next couple hours. And whether it was tests you had to do or up with the walker and start walking and but that was extremely emotional but then back to that game game mentality almost until I left and, and saw my family again and it's a it's amazing to think 
about these guys as human beings because we always just our thought process is they're robots they're machines they don't have lives they go out there they perform for us and and they're professional athletes and then you take a step back and you think Henrik Lundqvist open heart surgery Henrik Lundqvist father Henrik Lundqvist husband and sometimes you you, you put things into perspective a, a little bit so next one up is, is how you feeling now Hank I feel good. It's the big question. Where, where do we go from here? And, and uh, I know we talked about it. Sure. Um, I do have more tests coming up and that will kind of determine my, my future. So that's where we're at. You know, I love the game. I love to practice. And, and funny, I listened to someone talking about, you know, athletes and is it fun all the time? It's like, no, it's not. But I think the key is to love the grind. To be an athlete and to to have a long career, you got to love the grind. Totally. And when you love going to the rink and, and I think that's that's a big part of it. I want to compete. Yeah. Uh, it's going to come down to testing mm-hmm. and conversations with the doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's coming up. We're getting close to that point. And until then, I just keep grinding. And then, yeah. and then we'll see what happens. Well, good for him. And, you, and your thought is always, you know what? You never want, especially an all-time great, but any athlete or anybody that does anything to be forced into, you, you're not allowed to do this anymore. So it's funny. We started this segment by me saying, and, and my thought is that he's going to be with the, the Capitals and, and you, you hope he does well, but not so well that they're going to win a cup. And at this point, it's like, boy, how great would it be if Henrik Lundqvist was uh, back on the ice and, and playing at some point in the not-so-distant future? And it sounds like from him that um, they'll have an answer you know, pretty soon at some point. All right. Um, last one from Hank. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot going on here, right? Open hearts surgery. Um, he's known about this for a long time. The fact that COVID's happening, transitioning from the uh, the Rangers to the Capitol. So there's a lot, but the entire experience, what are his big takes, takeaways from this thing? 12 months back, and really 2020, I take away two things, gratitude, happiness. And don't get me wrong, it's been a challenge for, for me, for, for a lot of people, but I learned to focus on the things that that made me happy, made me mm. grateful. Mm. And that, that's, that's a good feeling. Even though things were tough, I choose to focus on things that made me feel good. And even, it's funny, I've, I've been so in the moment over the last few months, I laughed more over the last few months than I laughed before. And then you think, okay, I just went through this. It's kind of crazy that yeah. I've been able to do that. But it's when you stay in the moment and you're very present, it's, um, I feel like it's a lot easier to be happy and you don't worry about tomorrow or yesterday. It's like here and now and it's going to be okay. When you have big things happen in your life, it puts everything into perspective. And I would ask you this question, and then we'll take a break and come back and and hear from Coach Quinn of the Rangers and uh, look ahead with the three locals and what they have coming up. Of all the New York athletes that you can ever recall, is there anyone that was almost, I guess we'll say more universally universally loved than Henrik Lundqvist? I don't know. Derek Jeter, certainly. Um, David Wright, I think, is one of those guys. Messier was loved. And I don't mean you, you don't like them because they're on a team that you don't root for. I mean, just like they don't have a lot of baggage. They were here for a long time and they don't have a lot of baggage. There's not a lot of guys like that. I think Hank is one of those few. So we appreciate uh, Kevin Weeks and the NHL Network for letting us play a little bit of that audio. Quick break. Come back. We'll hear from David Quinn. Uh, we'll look ahead to what the locals have this week. And we'll uh, we'll get you ready for Joe Wiz. So a lot going on. It's a Saturday morning. It is the hockey show. I am Rothenberg, and this is 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) 
That's right. Low Van Halen on a Saturday morning. Dave Rothenberg with you. It is the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. How about right now? I feel like right now is the perfect little time for a giveaway. So let's do that. Now, we have, you'd say, Dave, you have your hands up out in the class. Give me, give me. I get it. We have two. So two people are going to win at this very moment. Two autographed New York Rangers pucks to give away. Very easy to enter. Just text GOAL. Goal. Rangers score a lot of those. G-O-A-L to 44202. Again, that's goal to 44202. We'll select two winners at random and send them their signed pucks. All from your home for the hookup. 98.7 ESPN. All right, we've done a lot today. As you know, in kind of our final segment of the show, we look ahead to the week. But a couple things we wanted to get into today. Uh, David Quinn joined DCR earlier in the week on Thursday morning, and it was a very interesting conversation for those of you that don't know. And I, I think most of you probably do. Uh, Quinny was uh, hit with COVID, and I don't think he was sick, sick to the point where there was concern, but he was sick and he was on the couch and he wasn't feeling well. Uh, so we asked him, how now are you feeling? Here's the head coach of the Rangers. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. It was a frustrating stretch there when, uh, when I had COVID and just laying on my couch watching hockey, but uh, it's good to be back. Well, we're happy that he's back. We're happy that he's healthy. And we're happy that things are progressing well with the New York Rangers. More from David Quinn. As you were on the couch and watching the Rangers, and they scored a lot of goals when, in fact, he was uh, away from the team. What did you learn about your team by taking a step back and, and looking forward here? Yeah, it was funny because I actually talked to Pete DeBoer because he went through it earlier in the head coach of Vegas. And when I got diagnosed and I knew I was going to miss some time and some games, I just kind of called him to pick his brain on how he handled it, what he thought of the experience. And the first thing he said to me, he said, you know, this is going to be a good thing for you. You may not realize it, but you're going to step back. You're going to see things a little differently. Never bad to have a team take a break from a coach in the middle of the season because you just, you're around each other so much and you hear the same voice over and over again. And he was right. I mean, uh, certainly things that uh, when I was watching and even before that, to be honest, with you. you know, we're kind of creeping to the halfway point, and I think everybody kind of self-assesses some of the things they can do better or differently at that point in the season. And you know, I certainly was doing that before I got COVID. It actually started with the second Bruins game when we lost four nothing. Then the next night we actually beat them four nothing. You know, paid them back, beat them four nothing, and then you know we lost that tough overtime game to the Flyers five to four. And that morning was when Fox and Buchnevich were held out of the game because of COVID protocol. And then that's when the staff was, uh, you know, that's when I got diagnosed and the staff was held out for a week. So you know, I just. There were things you certainly sit back and, and look at and, you know, the feedback you get. And, uh, you know, I just I feel a lot better about the way things are going now. Well, he should. I mean, the Rangers are playing some pretty good hockey at the moment. And they're, they're scoring and Zabinijad has been much better. So overall, a really good feel uh, surrounding the blue shirt. So you say, all right, Dave, get there. Get there already. I'll, I'll get there. We are now there, in fact. What does the schedule for the three locals look like? The Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils this coming week. Well, Rangers play tomorrow night Oh, against a very familiar foe. Rangers back at it with the Islanders. That game is on the island, and you can hear it on 10.50 a.m., and that one gets started at 6.30. Then the Rangers are off on Monday, back in action on Tuesday for a stretch against the Devils. Tuesday, 6.30 at the Devils. Not too far of a trip, just through the tunnel and away you go. And that game can be heard on 98.7 ESPN uh, at 6.30 on Tuesday night against New Jersey. And then Thursday, not much different, but the venue a little bit different. Thursday night, same time, 6.30, same location right here on 98.7 ESPN. Same opponent, the Devils, the one thing that changes, the venue as they move that one 
to the Garden. So that's it for the Rangers this week. Three games, Islanders one, Devils two. For the Islanders, well, you know, they start out tomorrow night against the Rangers, 6.30. Uh, they're at home. That's at the Coliseum on 10.50 a.m. So that's certainly a, a big game for both of these teams. Then the Islanders are off uh, for days. They don't play again until Thursday. So they're off on Monday. They're off on Tuesday. They're off on Wednesday. Islanders travel to Boston Thursday, 6.30. and catch that game on 10.50 a.m. And then there's no time off. Rain, uh, Islanders back at it on Friday, also 6.30, also up in Boston. So obviously they'll stay in Beantown and get ready for the back-to-back games there. Uh, and that game is on 10.50. So three games for the Islanders, uh, Sunday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. And as far as the Devils are concerned, it's tomorrow against Pittsburgh. That's a home game. And the puck drop is at 7 o'clock for that one. Uh, then another home game. We mentioned this earlier, but revisit it from the Devils' standpoint. Uh, Tuesday, home to the Rangers. That's at 6.30. You can catch that on 98.7 ESPN. And then Thursday, like we mentioned, 6.30. This time, it's at the Rangers. Devils at the Rangers on Thursday at 6.30. That game is on 98.7 ESPN. So, the Devils have the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Rangers this week. So all three of the locals, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils, all have three games this coming week before you hear the hockey show again next week. So there you have it. That's it. Put a big bow on this one. Get you ready for Joe Wiz. I'll be back with you at 9 o'clock this morning, and now you have your full dose of hockey with the locals. couple of thanks before we say goodbye. Andy from America, our coordinating producer. Anthony Pusick always deals with everything so well that happens to the side. And of course, Ray Dinahan as well. I'm Dave Rothenberg. This is it for the Hockey Show. Joe Wiz is up next right here on 98.7 ESPN.